0: You might say that you do, but either you don't really know who he said he was, or you're not acting like it. Many of you have perhaps embraced Christianity simply because of the tradition. Maybe it was family, but if they gave it up, you would too. Most of you want a little God you can keep in your pocket for emergencies, like some cosmic credit card. You'd like an all-access pass to heaven when you die, but are not interested in having a Lord and Savior now. You don't believe Jesus is who he said he is. Too harsh? Be warned, throughout the book of Hebrews... There are some harsh warnings. But there are also some of the most tender and sweet encouragements in all of the New Testament. See, and before you take offense to the harsh warning, remember that the people who are most often switching back between the most tender and gentle kinds of approaches and the most harsh are loving parents. Now, I'm not talking about the harshness from Bad parenting, just being frustrated or upset with children and acting out on uh, them in a negative way. I'm talking about the kind of behavior, the harsh warning that would come from a loving parent to a child when their life is on the line. I noticed that about myself. I was pretty even-keeled and even-tempered until I had children and I found out I have more dynamic range. Anyone else had that kind of experience? where I, I, didn't, I don't think I've been as happy as some moments I've had with my children in all my life. They brought that out of me in a way that no one else could. But they also bring other things out of me. Have you had that experience? So when you see a book like Hebrews that has harsh warnings, perhaps even scary in some ways, the kinds of warnings, how Harsh they seem, and yet also so tender. You have to realize that the author of Hebrews, though we don't know who exactly that was, knew these people well and loved them deeply. So would you hear the words of Hebrews this morning from someone who cares for you? And certainly, we here at Hillcrest love you. And so we might sometimes give you what seems like a harsh warning, because we know that something is on the line, something incredibly important. But know that we also shed our tears over you as well through compassion and sympathy and how we empathize with where you are at and the various things that you go through. That's a good ministry for us all to have, the ministry of truth and the ministry of tears, to tell somebody like it is when they need to hear it. But also to sit with them and cry. Jesus did that with um, Mary and Martha. They lost um, their brother Lazarus. Uh, he died, and they were saying, "Jesus, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened." And to one sister, he says, "I am the resurrection and the life," and she needed to hear that. And then he goes to Mary, and this is again is famous because of it being the shortest verse in the Bible. Why? Curious. Why would they stop here is one verse, but it's so important. Jesus. Mary comes up to Jesus and says, If you were here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And instead of saying, I am the resurrection and the life, get your beliefs straight, understand the truth, and your life will be different and changed. Instead, all he does is weep with her. Truth and tears. We'll see that throughout Hebrews, and I hope you hear that throughout the preaching as we continue. Do you remember our gospel fluency series from a number of years ago? If you've been tracking with us for a while, uh, perhaps uh, you do. Again, gospel fluency was about learning to speak the gospel, to understand the gospel so easily that it's like a fluent language. When you not you don't have to translate between your thoughts and what you're about to say. Whereas instead you can think in that other language, you can dream in that other language, becoming so fluid with the gospel. With understanding what it's all about, that we could share that freely with the people that were doing life together with other believers, but also people who don't know Jesus, that we could continually be pointing them to the gospel and be fluent in our conversation and how we share that. Some Christians over the years trying to figure out how to share their faith have resorted to, and not that it's entirely wrong, but have resorted to something like cue cards to talk about it. You know, the various points. They, they memorized certain phrases based on the letter and that kind of thing, but instead, gospel fluency was about being able to just share and talk about it. Like, if you ask me, so, Kurt, uh, tell me about your wife. And if immediately I reached into my back pocket and pulled out the cue cards and said, um... Uh, My my wife is uh, 5'8". You know, going through the details like that, that would seem very strange, right? And so Gospel Fluency was about this. But if you haven't taken uh, that uh, series in, you can go back and you can find that and listen through that or watch that as well uh, if... uh, you would like, the book that we used as reference for that series is called Gospel Fluency and it was very helpful for us to help grow in uh, evangelistic uh, approaches and that kind of thing here at Hillcrest. Um, But it, it opened with some startling phrases. It said, you're an unbeliever. And then right after that, the author said, and so am I. And then he makes the case that in many ways we're all, even though we or maybe have been Christians, or have maybe been Christians for a long time, we've got some faith in God, uh, we're still kind of unbelievers because we don't really put into practice what we say we believe. And that really true belief goes all the way through to how we live day to day. That's kind of what uh, gospel fluency was about and how it got started. In some ways, Hebrews is very similar um, to that, because this author is inviting his audience to really understand their belief and put that into practice day to day. So the Hebrews' audience was facing incredible persecution and difficulty. They were experiencing alienation because of their faith in Jesus. And though at first they embraced Jesus, believing he was who he said he was, now they were struggling to act like it. And when your beliefs and your actions don't line up, eventually you have a crisis of faith because sometimes even your actions can lead to you moving away from your beliefs. I've seen that happen a number of different times where people have a crisis of faith and what happened was it wasn't that they suddenly they were thinking about it, wrestling with the truth and as they were doing that they came up with a different understanding of what they had originally believed and therefore kind of walked away from Christianity. Instead, their actions their practices changed they found themselves saying more and more often you know what we don't need to go to church this weekend you know it's been a busy week and it would be better for us and our family if we stayed away from there and we just you know had some downtime again that's not bad but when that becomes a habit for some people maybe sometimes it's even sports that happen on weekends and eventually less and less are they involved with church And you find those people a number of years later saying, I'm having a crisis of faith. I don't know if I believe this stuff anymore. But it wasn't their beliefs that really drove them there. It was, in fact, their actions. So we have to be careful that both our beliefs and our actions always are in alignment. So this is kind of what the Hebrews audience, their circumstances, Okay, if you missed last week, let's get you caught up to kind of where we started. We started talking about Jesus and the scripture being intertwined, that he explained that actually all of the scripture was about him, about the Messiah, about God's purposes for salvation, about reaching every single person with the hope that we can have eternity with him, a relationship, an eternal, abundant uh, life in relationship with him. So if you missed that, again, we don't know who the author of Hebrews is, but we do know that he knew the apostles well, that they knew him, uh, and that he knew this audience well. Because again, he's filled with this love and compassion for them, warning them harshly um, throughout the book, as well as assuming that they know certain things about uh, the Old Testament uh, as well. They were Jewish Christians facing intense uh, persecution and imprisonment. This is the audience. Uh, They were in danger of falling away or drifting away from Christianity because of this persecution. Uh, They knew the Old Testament well, uh, and so again, the author assumes that uh, they uh, they know that, and so he uses the Hebrew uh, scriptures in a unique way. The problem is most of us actually don't know the Old Testament very well even Christians who have been uh, reading the Bible perhaps for a long time, we don't know the Old Testament very well like perhaps this audience in Hebrews did. We know some of the high points, some of the significant stories, but maybe that's about it. Again, if you're new to the faith or just starting to read the Bible, that's entirely natural, but there's some people maybe sitting beside you here today who have been around this a lot longer and might not know much more than you about the Old Testament. That's just kind of sometimes the way that it goes. So we're trying to help. That's why, you know, we as a church, we went through the story, you know, last year and we were trying to help people go through much more of the scripture and to draw out those gospel themes so that we can understand how to read all of scripture and understand how it was all about Jesus. That's kind of where we started last week. And, And Hebrews is filled with lots of Old Testament references that are great for us to follow up on to find out what it really is all about. So let me just invite you again. Read along with us this summer. You can read along through the book of Hebrews in any Bible that you can possibly find. Although we invited you last week, if you want to, you can join us on UVersion, the Bible app for kind of any device out there, or you can just find it on through a web browser as well. Bible.com, I think, is their web address. But you can sign up for a reading plan for Hebrews, and you can read through that. We're doing one from the Bible Project, and it just kind of outlines the Hebrew uh, Bible, uh, the book of Hebrews. And there's a couple of other videos along there and some devotionals just to kind of help keep you going. Okay, so and read, with, uh, read Hebrews with us this summer as we go through this series. The other thing is, whenever you hit an Old Testament section, it'll be in quotations if you're reading in Hebrews, There'll be cross-references for where those texts actually come from in the Old Testament. Go back and read through a larger chunk, not just those particular verses, but read through the larger chunk to gain more understanding and perspective uh, as we go. And we'll get to demonstrate that a little bit this this week as we get into the text. But uh, Hebrews has four main sections. And we're breaking this down into about 10 weeks to kind of cover off the whole book throughout the summer here. But it's kind of four main sections. So kind of the chapter 1 and 2, it's about, again, the angels and Torah or the Hebrew law and why Jesus is superior to all of that. Uh, then Hebrews kind of 3 to 4, it's about the Moses and the promised land and, again, how Jesus is superior to Moses And the land that he's leading into us, the promised land, is much better even than the promised land that uh, Moses was leading the people of God into at that time. Then we go on to talking about the priesthood and Melchizedek, and that'll be fun when we get there. Um, And again, how Jesus is unique, but superior, he is better. And then finally, even how Jesus was better than the sacrifices throughout the Old Testament and the covenant that was given there, that there's a new covenant and it's all stronger. So, four kind of main sections, so we'll highlight those as we go. But the, go- the book has two main goals. Number one, to elevate Jesus as superior. And number two is these warnings. To challenge the readers to remain faithful to Jesus despite What happens in life? Okay, we read the scripture here this morning. Now let's kind of go back a little bit slower through a number of these verses and hopefully unlock some of the power behind them and why the author used them to address this congregation of believers that was really struggling, hurting, and in danger of drifting away from their faith. So verse one, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. One point to consider, God speaks. He's not silent, he's not absent. He wants to have a relationship with you. And God speaks using other people. Prophets are people who say what God is saying. There might be somebody in your life, a believer who is saying something to you, and it could be a message from God. But this message as it was coming was, it says you know, in this translation many times and in various ways... But it's not like he was really trying to come at them with all kinds of different, um, you know, make it really thorough. Many times in many, many various ways might give you the impression that, you know, you're in a class setting and there's a PowerPoint, but there's someone also teaching. There's, you know, there's, there's an audio coming at you in a different way. There's an experience. It's tactile. You know, there's many times, Mary is very, you're really trying to drive the point home. But what it's actually more so perhaps saying is that it's coming in fragments, Not many times in various ways being a lot. He's just been out there and saying everything all the time in all kinds of different ways, trying to get our attention. But it was coming in fragments. It was pieces or portions. See, his revelation came at the right time and very specifically to people. It was God's word, but it was incomplete. And then here's verse 2 but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Now, a brief comment about the idea of last days, he's spoken to us by his last days. Last days means not just recently, but instead last days is from now until the end of time. The last days. It is the final word. From now until the end of time. And again, it comes from the Son. That is Jesus. The final word came through the ultimate messenger, the Son. It is the final and highest word. And if any other word was binding, they use the word, then this one certainly must be. It is the final and highest word. Let's continue. Who he appointed, whom he appointed, heir... Of all things. Uh, I'd like to hop over for a moment to Revelation. Again, as we're talking about Jesus, there's all kinds of places we can go in the scripture to see some of these things un, uh, unfolding. But well, we're going to go to Revelation chapter five. If you've got your Bible, again, you're welcome to go there. We're going to read the whole thing. It's pretty short, but we're going to read the whole thing. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to kind of close your eyes and let your imagination go. That's a great thing to do with Revelation is to kind of let your imagination go just a little bit. It's driving a point home that there is um, this Messiah in the in, who in the end wins. He defeats everyone who opposes him and brings about salvation for his people. Okay, here it is. Verse 1 starting of Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw... In, Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders the lamb had seven horns or the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne and when he had taken it the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of God's people and they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, Now imagine that sound. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. He's been appointed the heir of all things. He is the one who is worthy. No one was worthy but Jesus and through whom, continuing on in these verses, and through whom all, also he made the universe. See, Christians don't just believe in an intelligent design or that there is a creator God. They believe that creation happened through the Son, through Jesus. Genesis 1.1 says, let us make man in our image. And actually, you see this all throughout the New Testament writing, this idea that creation only happened through God. The sun. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. This is the rays to the sun. This is the exact essence. For uh, many of these, again, this Hebrew audience, um, God's presence, they would have known, led them throughout uh, the desert as um, a cloud by day and fire by night. And the idea of this radiance would bring to mind the idea of that point right in the middle of this fiery cloud, this thing that was lit up like fire. And they would have thought the sun is that essence, that fire. He is the presence and power of God. He's the exact representation of his being. Uh, that has to do with the uh, you know, a signet ring that you uh, heat up the wax and you mark uh, you know, a letter so that you know that it's from a certain person. It's about ownership, authorship, authority. Um, and as much as we need to see Jesus as being fully God, can you imagine, again, for these Hebrews, they're starting to get this as they're going through these verses as he's speaking to them. They're starting to see Jesus as fully god And yet as much as we need to see Jesus as fully God, we need to see the fullness of God in Jesus. See, no longer do we relate to him as a pillar of fire or a rushing wind, the presence in an inner court of a temple, but instead he shows us himself, fully himself, as someone you can have breakfast with, someone that you can give a hug, someone that you can walk with. That's how Jesus comes. The fullness of God comes in Jesus. John 1 verse 14 says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. This comes from Colossians uh, chapter 1, 15 to 17 Again, these are Paul's words in a very similar vein. We'll see some similar themes here. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven on and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Uh, how many of you will admit that you've seen uh, the Avengers movies, the end game? Anybody see this, right? Or the one that came before it, right? You know, the, the super villain Thanos is coming and he's got this power to be able to snap and wipe out half the universe. And it actually happens, again, spoilers. Uh, okay. He snaps and it happens. And for those of you who have seen it, there's this kind of this vivid imagery, right? Of people standing there just turning to kind of dust and disappearing, Right? Now, you know the image I'm talking about? This says Jesus is holding all things together. The reason, right now, while you're not kind of disappearing into dust and blowing away, is He, right there, with His power, is holding you together. You know, gravity, do you do feel that holding you down in your, in your seat, where you are right now? That's the power and presence. Of Jesus, the Creator who made it all. Everything that came into being came into being through Him. And He is actively, perpetually holding it together. Yeah, let's continue. After He had provided purification for sins. Again, these are the opening verses of Hebrews. And there's so much packed in here. After He had provided uh, purification for sins. Uh, That's what Jesus came to do. See, we see that he's there at the creation of the world. And in the end, we see him sitting down on his throne and ruling over eternity. But in the middle, he's dealing with sin. So you can't have a Christianity that doesn't acknowledge or deal with sin. Sin is the problem that you have. Sin is the problem that we all share Sin is the problem with our world. And Jesus is the one who came to deal with it. He's the only one with the power and authority to do so. He's the only one worthy. If your worldview doesn't have a place for sin, you won't be able to adequately articulate what's wrong with our world. And you won't be able to adequately deal with the problems that come from sin. But also hear this. He came here to deal with your sin because he loves you. He's intent on having you with him and experiencing his goodness, that eternal, abundant life. If you haven't made that commitment to Jesus, you can do that right now. He is inviting you. You can choose right now to make him your Lord and Savior. We pray this often as a simple prayer that you could pray is a prayer of commitment. Dear Father, thank you that you love me and that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Help me live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you make a commitment like that, we would love to hear about that from you. Would you reach out to us Uh, somehow contact the church office or talk to me afterwards, uh, after the service. We would love to know if that's a first-time decision for you. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name that he has inherited is superior to theirs. This is Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. See, now that the author of Hebrews has laid out his main point, that Jesus is God, giving God's final and complete message to humanity about salvation through him alone, he takes his audience to the scriptures to show them in greater detail. So this is where, again, we find all of these quotations from the Old Testament, these Psalms and other things. You know, for which or for to which of the angels did God ever say, "You are my son today; I have become your father"? That's coming from Psalm chapter two. This is particularly verse seven that he quotes. But there is also other words that we could go to in Psalm two. Uh, Here is verses ten to twelve. Therefore, you kings be wise and be warned. You rulers of the earth serve the Lord with fear and celebrate His rule with trembling. Kiss His son. Or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Again, he continues to lead his audience because they know these scriptures well. Through these um, scriptures to again reinforce all the points that he's just made in those verses we've discussed. Again, so in speaking to the angels he says he makes his angels, spirits and his servants, flames of fire. Again, you're looking at Psalm 104. That would be something to look at this week if you have your chance to do some devotions to read through these psalms that are referenced here. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever. Again, speaking of his justice and his kingdom, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Again, do you see how it begins to kind of reinforce what we've already talked about? He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. And so again, the author of Hebrews is saying, yes, maybe you've heard this psalm, and you thought that was God somehow, but do you realize that was Jesus? You roll them up like a robe, like a garment will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. It's this eternal reign in these last days, from now until the end of time, Jesus is Lord. Now, we better continue to move on here quickly. So I encourage you to go back and read through those Psalms. You'll find them to be so um, enlightening if you put it in this context. In Hebrews chapter 2, the first part here, we see these warnings. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. So this first warning we must pay attention so that we don't drift away. Drift is a nautical term. It's a ship leaving for a destination, leaving port for a destination, but it's ever so slightly off course. In the beginning, it isn't even noticeable, but it means that the ship will never reach its destination unless it corrects its course. And... Verse 2 of chapter 2. For since the message spoken through angels was binding. See, even if it was fragments and portions and pieces only, it was binding. It was God's word to humanity. And what God said through those words um, was to be held to in terms of what he said there. And every viola- uh, violation and disobedience received its just punishment how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Drift, I think, is one of the scariest words in the Bible. See, drift should keep you up at night. Maybe only if you are drifting. See, the reminder here is to pay attention to the gospel, to pay attention to Jesus, to see him as, he, as who he says he is. Because if we believe he is who he says, he is. We will be filled with hope, filled with joy, filled with the resilience to face anything in this life, even the kind of persecution that this audience was facing. See, we could face anything in this life. We could know his beauty. He would be all that our hearts truly need. He's the only master who doesn't enslave. See, someone whose eyes are on Jesus, when they put their attention on him, they'll never... Drift away. You don't need to worry about drifting away if your eyes are on him. But if you are, you only think you're off by a few degrees. But you're like that ship that's leaving port. Without the correction, you might drift and drift and drift. And it's this incredible salvation that was announced by the Lord. He announced it. It was confirmed by those who heard it. And then also God testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. See, he's looking at all of the early church's history and how this movement blossomed. See, everything that God has been up to has been about this reality, Jesus as Lord and Savior. Through him, everything that has been made was made. Now he holds it all together and is seated in the highest position of authority over all. So how is Jesus superior? See, he not only represents God to the people, but he is God to the people, the exact representation of his being. He's not just a messenger, he's also the author. See, and his message is complete, not just a fragment or a part of the message. He's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He is above the angels' He's there before creation and eternally on the throne in heaven. So what's the bottom line for this morning? The supremacy of Christ, of Jesus Christ, should change everything about your life. See, if you really believe in the supremacy of Christ, everything changes. No longer can you have any other master no longer can you live for any other Lord. No longer can you hold rule over your own life. This is not a God you can invite into your life to be your personal assistant. He's Lord of all creation. We sang it earlier You have no rival, you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. So most of you don't believe that Jesus is who he said he is. You might say that you do, but either you don't know who he said he was, or you just don't act like it. What are we supposed to do practically? pay attention see sometimes as a father i end up missing some of the most precious moments with my children because i'm not paying attention right and how many parents of you know your kids often are trying to get your attention look at what i can do dad look dad look dad look dad look from three different people all at once about whatever's happening in their world they're demanding that kind of attention and too often I'm looking at my phone, or I'm doing something else, or I'm busy with other things. I'm not even paying attention. I'm not really invested sometimes in what's going on in their mind or in their heart. I'm not deeply concerned with their hopes, their dreams, or their fears. I'm just kind of more mindful of what's going on in my own world. It happens easily. We have a tendency to drift, but every once in a while, I am awakened to the beauty and wonder of having them in my life. Sometimes I get so overwhelmed just at the thought of them that I nearly become undone. I have to be careful I don't do that now. (laughs) Sometimes it's the simplest things. Sometimes it's just a regular day. My attention is fixed on them. Can you imagine if I gave in to the drift when it came to my kids? If I just stopped paying attention, just put in my time until they kind of disappeared from my life. See, that kind of father doesn't often end up with a great relationship with his kids. See, years from now, I would be bitter and alone and just wondering what happened. How did it all go so wrong? Now imagine Jesus knowing your name even before he created the world. He enacts his sovereign plan of salvation throughout the course of history. He endures the cross, the pain, the suffering, the shame and then watches you slowly drift off of course just because you're not paying attention to him. You miss out on eternity with your loving heavenly father because you weren't paying attention. If he is who he says he is, everything about our lives needs to orbit around him. He needs to be our glorious obsession. We're gonna close here this week. uh, And I'm just gonna close in a simple uh, prayer. But if the Lord is speaking to you, if you're feeling like maybe I've been drifting, Uh, We'd love to pray with you about that. Give you practical advice if we can. But can I encourage you, keep coming throughout the summer. Keep engaging with our teaching as we go. This is what the author was facing with his audience, that there was these people who maybe weren't seeing Christ clearly for who he was. Or they lost perspective. They were beginning to drift. If If that's you, can I encourage you just to keep coming to stay with us as we go? Let me pray for you this morning. Lord Jesus, sometimes those words come out of my, uh, my mouth and I am not really thinking of the weight, what it means that you are Lord of all creation, King of kings, Lord of lords. Almighty God, Jesus. Father, I pray from my own heart for myself And for these people joining me here and now, that we would have that vision of you. That we would really understand more and more who you are, what you have done, and how you have come to us. The fullness of God who made all of the universe That's something we can't even fathom. We can't even begin to fathom our galaxy and yet there's a universe filled with them. And you are holding it all together with a word of your power. Help us to have a vision of you. The fullness of God in Christ. Someone who comes to us and says, let's walk together. Father, help us to have that vision of you. Help us to see drift when it comes and to pay attention and to be severe about keeping our um, attention on you and getting rid of anything that would distract us from you. Just regular life is so good at doing that, keeping us busy, keeping us focused on other things. Help us to focus on you. Help us to just worship you and adore you. And as we do, would you help us to live remarkable lives because we know you. We have you in our life walking with us, going where we go, leading us into whatever it is that you have for us, for each one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. I just want to say, say thanks so much for being a part of our service this morning again we would love an opportunity to pray with you if you'd like to uh, pray with someone you can uh, stay uh, seated for a moment as everyone else is kind of heading out and then you can just come forward and and someone will pray with you and I also just want to say have a great week enjoy the beautiful weather I got a little bit of sun earlier this uh, week and so I've been enjoying the sun Uh, anyways have a great week and we'll see you again next week have a great week